Hey everyone, Scott Ackerman here. And I'm Lauren Lapkin. And I'm Paula Tompkins. And we have a brand new podcast called Freedom. Basically, the three of us have a lot of fun conversations together, and we wanted to do a show where we aren't playing characters. So we abandon our individual podcast formats to discuss each other, the world, and everything in between. Although maybe we should have done all of our podcast formats on top of each other simultaneously. I think like we should. Fr- like friends. Like the yeah, friends yeah, like on YouTube. Friends. Like, Netflix, like, yeah. like friends. Like friends. Like friends. Like friends. Like friends. Like friends. We are friends. In this limited series, we try to figure out what the show should be called. We share weird stories from our childhoods. And we make fun of each other a lot. Which is kind of a bummer sometimes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, not for all of us, just for one of us. Wait, who? <laughs> that one. <laughs> There are two episodes out right now on the Freedom podcast feed. Make sure to check out Freedom wherever you get your podcasts. Or go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're listening to the UCB Long Form Conversations podcast. In-depth conversations with performers and teachers from the best alternative comedy theater on the planet. This podcast is modeled on the improv form Laurent, so the guest of our last episode becomes the host of this episode, and today's guest will become the host of our next episode. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the comedians talking, and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of UCB Theater or Training Center. Warning. What you're about to hear is an extremely nerdy conversation about long-form improv comedy. Welcome to the UCB Long Form Conversations Podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm Brennan Lee Mulligan. I was the guest on the last episode, but today I'm the host. And my guest today is Scott Armstrong, who improv fans might know from Soundtrack, which you can catch every Friday at 9.30, and from Mother, the legendary improv team that you can catch at DCM, as well as Feature Feature. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Hey, happy to be here. What's happening? Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, So... Scott, uh, uh, you've been a part of UCB for the duration of the theater's uh, epic uh, imprint on the improv and sketch comedy landscape. Uh, but you started in Chicago. Uh, and speaking of Del Close Marathon, if I'm not mistaken, you studied with the man, the myth, the legend himself. I studied with Del Close, yeah. That was my first... At first, I started at Second City in Chicago. And then... Uh, I should say I was always in advertising. I was like I had a like a career in advertising, and I thought was going to be like sort of what I did. And like on the side, I started doing this stuff for fun. So I kind of like fell into it. Um, you know, I didn't like graduate from college or anything, thinking I was going to get into performing. I was just like it was kind of like something I discovered in my twenties. And um, yeah, so did like this Second City training, and then also uh, I went and saw Improv Olympic for the first time. And I think you know I. I was a fan of the, uh, the the famous groups like Upright Citizens Brigade, the Herald team, and the family and other things. And I would watch that and I was like, oh my God, what they're doing is so much cooler than the short form kind of like sketchy stuff I had been training in. Even though Second City is cool too, but it was like for me, I was like, man, the long form was clearly different and more interesting and more of an art form for me. And I was really into that. And then, then, then I took it more seriously when i studied improv olympic like it it, it's second city i was kind of like ah just on the weekends or at night you know what i mean it's kind of a chance to like mess around but um i started really trying you know and and taking it seriously at uh improv olympic now with that focus that you're talking about because when you went to improv olympic it went from being a hobby to 
being something that you were like, I want to dedicate myself to this. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are going to be people that know UCB, which is focused sort of exclusively in New York and LA. Uh, you might talk a little bit about like what Chicago was like. That's like the birthplace of improv. What is the vibe at Second City? What is the vibe at Improv Olympic? Why were they different? Yeah. Uh, well, I should just say that Improv Olympic was funny. You know what I mean? It was straight <laughs> up funny because it was like, I'm looking back now. At the time, there's I was thinking there's like, I don't know how many people were there, but maybe, I don't know, 200 people in the whole theater, in the whole community. You know, it wasn't huge. You know what I mean? It was There was people, but... But like the people that were there when I was there, um, Chris Farley had just left. But uh, like Tina Fey was studying there. Amy Poehler was performing. You know, Matt Walsh, Besser, and Ian Roberts, obviously. Um, and then like guys like John Favreau, you know, were doing Heralds there. Improv. Or, um, Andy Dick was there. Uh, and then like a lot of people then it went up uh, going on to like writing and stuff um, on all the the show i remember going to the to, i don't even know I, there's so many people that were there I, I feel like i'm gonna forget like important people but um like dane and julia were in my class and i was on a team with jack mcbrayer and lance barber called zamboni way back um but uh the vibe there i guess is what the question is oh i also went to like the going away party when um adam mckay went um got the job at Saturday Night Live, like him and Keckner went off to go to Saturday Night Live. So it's like we're eating cake and drinking a keg of beer. You know what I mean? But like, but I was like, I didn't know any, I was just like trying to be involved. Like I was a straight up student. I was young. I was a fan. I was, you know, like probably not invited to the party. You know, I was kind of like just wheezing my way in and hanging out with everybody. You know, I was just trying to be cool or whatever. And I was not that good either. I was training hard and, and not getting picked for stuff or whatever. But um, the uh, the vibe I would say like, uh, Del Close was like, he's, you know, considered like a, you know, the genius and the legend, but he's also like totally weird. You know what I mean? And like, as a teacher, he's like a straight up witch. You know what I mean? He like, he knows witchcraft. He believes in witchcraft. He like believes in like some of the things that make him a good teacher also make him totally crazy and a bad teacher. You know, he's very sensitive and has like abilities to see where the form could go and he cared he was fighting for it and starting a theater with Sharna you know more than other people would care about it and then just like go home and blow it off he was like trying to you know every I think he started with the compass player so I don't know his whole history but like by the time I got him I got him when he was kind of grumpy and older <laughs> but uh <laughs> but it was always like the th the vibe was very artsy like you're in a jazz club or something you know what I mean like take it seriously um everyone was funny and fucking around but it was it was it was like we we're doing art you know what i mean where, where as soon as you leave chicago the other thing about chicago is no one's coming to recruit you there was no the idea of silent live was not a thing like we were no, no one was going anywhere we were just trying to get on the main stage which was we were already kind of on because there wasn't that many stages you know what i mean it was like just two stages and we were just trying to to be go, to be great and push each other um, we had a musician when our one of their heralds, you know, like a keyboard player, who is now um, Tina Fey's husband, Jeff Richmond. Jeff Richmond was our keyboard player. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like me and Jack run a team together. It just that's just a weird vibe, you know. It's like Chicago. It was like its own art form that is so different than what you know what is considered cool now. 
Um, now, that's like an incredible thing. I love that you said that because there is this balance in improv. And I say, so I teach here as well. And there's a, this weird thing that you're trying to explain to people, especially people that come from other comedy backgrounds that are approaching improv, where you're like, I know that this artsiness and this commitment seems antithetical to the very nature of comedy, which is fuck around and goofy and whatever and anti-serious. But you're trying to explain to people with improv, like, I promise you, the more seriously you take it, the more ridiculous it will get. Yeah, it's it's funnier. That's the whole thing. I was really serious about it. I'm always like just cu a curious person about like puzzles and stuff. And just as, as someone who studied comedy... I was so into like the mechanics of what this guy was telling me he thought was going to work. You know what I mean? I wanted to learn everything. And, and I was, I've always started as a writer. I'm more of like a screenwriter and cartoon, started as a cartoonist, I'm more visual and stuff. And then, but once I started like, my whole thing is I needed to learn how to like just fucking calm down and listen and not trying to like overwrite and have plots and all my scenes and stuff. So it took me forever to get over all that. Like, to where I was just being in the moment took forever. You know what I mean? That's what they just kept railing on me. You know, like I was like sort of, and I remember um, Del Close made me do like a eight minute scene, like a terrible scene that was on stage and just kept going and going. And go he basically was just like punishing me for not finding something and playing it, you know? So we were just scrambling and like failing and like just waiting for him to say cut. He never did. So we had to find something out, like kind of going. And I kind of just learned like this long, long, long thing. Um, the other thing about Chicago is it way slower than we play now, way slower. Like it was like considered rude to like go too fast. You know what I mean? It was like you would Wild. just stand there and let the realness be a real thing. You know what I mean? Forever. You'd be like, you'd be, there's a lot of silence and like finding things. It was, it was more, um, artsy for sure. But it was, it was, uh, also like there's flaws to that. You know, it's like, this is, this this Herald's boring and it's not going that well. You know, so you know what I mean? Like you better be, if you're going to have pauses, it better be poignant. You know what I mean? Or whatever. It's, it, it, for it to really work, you know? Yeah. I th that definitely vibes because I'm just from New York and there is this thing about both from Del Close's witchcraft and then this idea of there is this extreme mysticism around improv in Chicago that you get from Chicago players of like, there are rituals to be honored and there is this sense. Oh, of, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like he used to hang out, uh, beneath, uh, this is a, um, I'm spacing on his name. Who's the super famous guy who played young Frankenstein. His friend uh, is Gene Wilder. No, no, no. The, oh, the, oh. the actual monster. Uh, oh, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. So he, he, I sat next to him on a plane randomly and he told me that he, I was trying to be like respectful and not say anything to him, but then he started asking me questions, and I started. Then I got into all these like Chicago questions. But he said that the best thing is he said that Del Close used to hang out on his web underneath the theater. Like he had a big like spider web that he built. He used to lay on and hang out down there on his web. <laughs> like a, like a, like a, a hammock in the shape of a spider web. Just for no, him. it was a spider web. Yeah, it was just like strings. I don't know. He used to hang out down there. He's, um, my friend used to, uh, smoke weed with him and like, he got to know him a little bit. Like and my friends also like, I think might be a witch too, <laughs> but they're both, they have like real sensitive, like hypersensitive abilities. Um, but he would get pissed off and like, if you weren't good, he was grumpy. You know what I mean? Like if you weren't good, get the fuck out. Or if you're not trying, get, you know, if you, he hated, if you're too much of a clown, you know, if you're going over the top. 
and not like being in the moment. And he hated if you just weren't good. Those two things like didn't work. Um, he would give you your money back and say, you know, don't come back. You know. Wow, man, that is a. We're nicer here now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a weird. It, it's a. It's extremely grumpy, but there's a weird form of integrity to that as well. Of like, I don't want to waste your time or money. You're not cut out for this. Yeah, you know. But who the hell? You know. Part of me is like a lot of people. I remember Tina Fey seeing her and being like, you know, ish or whatever. Like, you know, like, you know, then she's like becomes like a genius. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, people out of the gate need time to fail sure. and figure it out. Like I, I would say me, me, myself, like my first year, there's no indication that I should do this for a really long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, But I, I had a little faith because I just felt like I could figure it out. Like I was not, I knew that I, 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 was just like pushing too hard. Gotcha. And I, I was trying to learn how to calm down. Uh, so you come out of this Chicago place, this mystical homeland of improv, uh, with this pressure cooker of what we know in hindsight are like this graduating class of comedic powerhouses. Yeah, I had no idea. I literally was just like a bunch of dummies all <laughs> hanging out. You know what I mean? <laughs> you really don't don't know. Yeah. yeah, at the time, it's like, okay, sure, we're here having a cake. At the time, the biggest deal was Andy Dick. Wild, fun. You know what I mean? Because he had done something in L.A. or whatever. But it was just like that was he was the king. Wild. You know what I mean? Man. Uh, So talk to me because for uh, for listeners, uh, Scott is one of the few tri-city improv. You've improvised in Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. Let's not forget Portland. (laughs) I went to Portland for two years and I got a job at this uh, advertising agency called Wine and Kennedy Portland. I moved from Chicago. Um, and so I kind of quit, I quit my, my Herald team at the time was a real bummer, you know, we were, it was, and, uh, you know, we were kind of a real team and I, I ditched that for work, which kind of sucked. But then I went out to Portland and I was desperate to like, just keep my chops, like keep, like, I wanted to stay in kind of shape. I didn't expect to do anything good there, but I wanted to do not to rip on, I'm not ripping on Portland, but at the time it was like, there was nothing going on. So I ended up like meeting John Breen who's a great improviser in Portland because he was with comedy sports. And then I remember I had this, like, I didn't like the comedy sports short form. I hated it so much. So I just wanted to go to the rehearsals and practice and then go home like once a week. And they said, you can't practice with us anymore unless you perform in the show. And I was like, I don't want to perform in the show and all this stuff. And then it became like a, um, a thing where I had to perform in one of the comedy sports shows. And I was just like, I don't know. I felt like I probably sound like an asshole, but I just didn't want to do the short form thing in the in the in the softball jersey and the sweats and everything. And then like I went out and bought my own pants that weren't sweats, like black slacks, <laughs> and wore them with the softball jersey. They're like, no, you got to put on the baggy sweats or you can't be in the show. And I was like, no. It was like I had this weird standoff where I was in Portland. Like uh, it was so ridiculous. So I did one show, and I also did another. There's another group that had someone had studied in Chicago. I forget the name now, but I done I did some like heralds in front of like five people underneath this restaurant in Portland, and that was like just doing everything I could to sort of. That's how much I loved it, though. Like I really, there was no. Re, I could easily have just stayed home on Tuesday night, Thursday nights, and not done any of this stuff. But I was trying, you know, to do to stay kind of warm, and I'm glad I did because then I went to New York after that. Yeah, I think that's you're speaking to something really powerful there, which is something that I love about this art form which is you especially out here in LA you can go to the theater and see people whose 
careers in comedy are completely self-sustaining. People that are working as writers and actors on shows that are get that are doing comedy professionally, bringing home the bacon with comedy, jumping up to do an unpaid improv show out of what you know must only be a love for this art. Yeah, I've been doing it. I've been having a job that has absolutely nothing to do with improv my whole career. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I've been doing it for 20 years and I've never gotten paid to perform. Yeah. Uh, not never, maybe a couple little lines here and there, but basically I just do it because I love it. I'm all, I mean, I get paid as a writer and a showrunner or whatever, and that all kind of feeds together, but I just really love doing it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this move. So you do this advertising job for two years in Portland. Uh, what prompts the move to New York? Uh, well, I also had a weird sort of trajectory because I sold a screenplay and moved to New York. This is like the beginnings of Road Trip, which yes. I wrote and co-wrote. And uh, that was like a whole thing where I'm like, I'm moving to write a screenplay. But it also, so then I got into like studying it. Um, well, basically, the the Upright Citizens Brigade had just moved to New York and they were just putting on shows. They were renting a theater themselves and like putting on the shows. So I started to go to those shows. I remember like sitting in line, like waiting for the show to start and then someone bumping, like Horatio Sands recognized me from the Chicago theater and like, you should just come in, hang out. And so I came in and so I'd be like in the front row and then kind of in the green room and then kind of bringing a date or whatever and being like in the group or whatever you know it's just kind of like but I really wasn't I wasn't as good as those guys at all I didn't get invited to I remember seeing Richter um and uh his wife Sarah and like people do monologues and a lot of the just early 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 mm-hmm. um monologues and then um then they started teaching classes and uh so I would take classes at the Soho Arts. Is that Soho Arts was their first space to teach at? I was, luckily I was there. Um, but like my first, like my first improv class was like me, Riggle, Shear, Hubel, Owen Burke, Jackie Clark, um, Donna Fineglass, Daniel Snyder became Besser's wife. Besser was a teacher. You know what I mean? Like that's a crazy, and some other bunch of other people I can't remember, but like that was basically like my first sort of class in New York, and I'd already thought that I like would knew some stuff, and I immediately was just like, I got to start over, start the first class, because I'm just like, I just was out of it, you know, and I, I still had again, I still think I had a lot to learn to get out of my head, and Bester was a good teacher for me for that. That's awesome, and what a what a lineup, jeez Louise! Uh, and for those that don't know, obviously this is an improv podcast, but Scott has written like all of the like just incredible but no for i i was on your imdb researching for the show uh scott wrote old school which is one of the i mean frank the tank give me a break i must have watched that movie a hundred goddamn times so the, like a ton of these like powerhouse comedy movies uh uh from that employ a lot of these people that are in that world of improv and sketch comedy from either chicago or new york or wherever um i was luckily um sort of I had no idea that UCB was going to be get that popular. You know, I just thought it was, I mean, I definitely was rooting for it and thought it was cool. And, but, I, you know, career-wise, it was just like something I was doing on the side for sure. But then I started, the the more people that were great in the theater were more people that I got, was able to get in the movies or help out or, you know, I, I was, a, you know, just early on, you're just in it. Like the the, the first show I was in, like the the fun thing about, like I just listed those people in my first class, but mm-hmm. my first my first show was feature feature, and that cast was like Besser. Besser was the director and picked us, 
And I think I didn't get picked. I think I had to ask to be on the team. I like, like <laughs> he's like, all right, man, we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was my best imitation. Um, but it was Cordry, Husky, uh, Seth Morris, John Bowie, with the Naked Babies, who also did their own sketch show that I I got to direct one of those. It was super great. And then, like, Jamie Denbo ended up marrying John Bowie. And then um, Secunda. Um, who am I forgetting? Anyway, and then, like, we had, like, subs like, Man- like Manzukas and Owen and, you know, Jackie Clark or whatever. It was just, like, it was crazy. Oh, uh Will Burson. I knew I knew when I was came, when I came on here I was like stressed out because I couldn't remember every name from the you know I mean he's gonna ask me these things I don't remember his name. Um, but anyway, uh, but that's a crazy first cast to be involved Jeez. in, and we we did the movie form, and the movie form was very technical the way Besser taught us to do it, and it was again like I would say more artsy than the kind of stuff that we're doing now, but the stuff we're doing now probably is like nonstop laughs. Like more laughs per minute than, you know, the feature feature stuff. But we were really, we'd get together and watch movies and study different genres so we could like play them. And like the commitment was crazy um, as far as like how hard we worked. Like I took a class Tuesday nights, Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons, and then rehearsed and then performed, you know, while I was working full time job, you know. Uh, now, this is really interesting because I'd love to get into this. So I think a lot like, even for me, and I've been at UCB for seven years uh, uh, in New York and then out here in LA. Um, but even by the time I was taking classes, it was already a full institution. You know, it was- Yeah, the, I never had that. So that's so that's what's wild. Like even you saying- It's like one person in a little office right by the <laughs> stage. Honestly, it was Ian's wife was the first uh, manager or whatever. So that's so. So if we can speak to that, because I think that first of all, when when younger generations, people people that are listening to this podcast are students right now, mm-hmm. and they're looking back at the this Camelot esque misty beginnings of this, and I think in hindsight, people always want to add a level of destiny to things. Like it has been foretold, UCB will ascend to the heights of improv and sketch comedy. When you were there, was there any sensation to that? I know I'm very vibe centric. Uh-huh. What was the vibe as it was beginning? It was, to me, fucking electric. You know what I mean? <laughs> it really was. Not not my shows. I'm not saying me. Like, but it was like those guys were so good. It was <laughs> preposterous, and it was like no one there. You know what I mean? I was like, I was kind of like, actually, not no one there. When they did the ask, when they did ask Cat, it was packed. Mm-hmm. Um. But the fact that they were just teaching classes for 300 bucks, you know, I studied with Amy Poehler and Ian Robertson, Vester. I never took Matt's class. Now I'm like best friends with Matt. I had never taken his class. He claims he's a bad teacher, but I never took it. Um, but the, um, I don't know. The vibe was like, the good shows were fucking great, you know? And then I guess like the first, I remember the first feature feature show, it was such a difficult form that it took forever to get like good you know what I mean like and I was probably holding everybody back too like I, I remember like that feature viewers what was my worst form because you had to think really plotty which is like my death like it's, it's like as soon as I'm in the plot mode I can't get into the other mode or whatever for me is a like feature soundtrack it's just part of why we invented soundtrack uh, mother did because it's like just puts you in a vibe and a space and it's like, it's so much better. For, I'm so much better when I do soundtrack than other forms. Anyway, so like the the feature feature was a great show, but 
those guys were such movie files too. Like it, it, I was always embarrassed because I'm like a screenwriter. I didn't know all the genres as well as everybody else did, and I was always kind of like out of it. I was always kind of embarrassed about that. But in the but the show was super funny. The first show we did, I think we had 11 people in the audience. You know, just like these plastic chairs and like just every, you know, it's just this theater that people. Oh, I remember being uh, getting emails to go build the theater. That was crazy. I don't think I showed up. I wish I could say I went with a hammer and built it. But like the first show, the first theater on Twenty Second Street, just basically everyone showed up with hammers and built built it. You know. So this is the twenty second. This is the the reformatted strip club. This is yeah, not yeah, the yeah. yeah this is yeah, not even Chelsea yet. No, 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 no. This is Twenty Second Street. Um, but it was the the vibe was. It was awesome. It was super fun. People partied pretty hard and were like really kind to each other. And it, there was no stakes is, you know what I mean? Like there's no one in the audience. So, you know, that it, who, it, whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, for the, there's no chance, like maybe getting a writing job on like Conan would be awesome. That's what everyone was kind of focusing on, but that really had nothing to do with you improvising. Yeah, that's just, that's, that was your packet that you worked on. Everyone was talking about their Conan packet back then <laughs> <laughs> and getting commercials and stuff, you know? So you guys are like hammering boards in this strip club, talking about each other's Conan packets and yeah, comparing notes. That was the vibe. Um, but I will say, when you saw the the four, the UCB four, and they brought guests and they had people on and like, you know, Rachel Dratch would jump out there and Tina Fey and Horatio, of course, and all the other people, John um, Glazer and like, you know the list goes on but it, they were awesome and i felt like i was watching you know sonic youth in the uh, knitting factory the basement you know what i mean i i, I knew at the time i never missed and I, I tried to get there as much as i could and i tried to take the classes like, as many as i could because i really felt like i've always been this way like if i see something that's really special i just i just i just have always had a vision of how time flies and you just got to take advantage of when you're in a spot that seems Special, and I felt like it was special. Hell, yeah. more than when I was in Chicago, for sure. Like Chicago was like everyone was kind of over it. As far as, the, as far as the administration, you know what I mean? Like it was just like devil's kind of over it. Sharna, you know, for all of her good things she does, she also had kind of like a limited view of like what we were, what we were going with this. And I kind of saw like, I mean, that, that that's probably why you can ask the guys that started the UCB theater, but that's probably why they went to New York. You know what I mean? You had to go to New York and start your own thing to sort of like blow it out. Right. It feels like there's something you're talking about of like all of the the structures that were in Chicago, like that are established. And there was sort of the frontier mm-hmm. in New York that was available. Uh, New York was also scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Honestly, like everyone was broke. I I had a job. Like I, I was always in a weird spot because I was like the guy who sold a screenplay in your class or whatever. And, you know, sometimes it just makes it awkward or whatever. You know, I always felt incredibly fortunate and lucky. And I try not to talk about it too much. You know what I mean? I probably did anyway, but like, you know, just the stress of that. But <clears throat> a lot of people were just, I had so much respect for the people that were like seriously fucking broke and living in New York and just improvising. They were like, I mean, I don't know if I could have done it. That's like a wild thing. For us, for a small detour, just because we have these improv nerds listening, we were talking about how demanding the form was for feature feature. This incredible cast, form super demanding, and this is also the beginning of UCB finding its voice. You know, like we we know the style of UCB through an enshrined curriculum, the focus on game, everything else like that. 
that yeah you, there's a lot of like besser would invent things to teach the game like what was the what was the other show that we were up uh it was feature feature and then it was like superhero what was it the combat it was like do you remember the name of that show does anybody remember it everyone's gonna kill me for not knowing cartoon chaos cartoon chaos okay yeah and that came out of them like teaching like everyone has superpower but it was like basically teach it one guy could edit <laughs> you know what i mean if you got down to it it was like different it was a good way to teach um because everyone kind of focused on their one, like, I'm going to make sure I edit the right spots or I'm going to focus on the game and heightening it or these different things. Um, um, but Feature Feature was challenging for me. A lot of the other, I mean, the Naked Babies guys and everybody else and Dembo and everybody like made it look easy. But, uh, you know, that the, the challenge of it was like as a group, there was more, I guess, I, there's probably group mind uh, now in the show's and I'm probably sound like an old fogey and I actually haven't seen it a lot of the shows recently, but like I would say the, in the prime of the early going, the group mind was at a super high level and probably like the highest level I've seen. Um, meaning of just like, man, for feature feature to work, you gotta like, we practiced a lot and we never spoke about like on the stage, not whispering, like what, the, what's the genre, which movie are we doing? Who's the, you know, like, where's this go? You know, you're just like figuring it out as, of course, long form works that way. But with the movie form, there's just so many ways for it to go wrong. It's such a high wire act and you have to all be on the same page. And we really, uh, I guess we're always artsy fartsy about that. But that's the, uh, the benefit of mother. If we're going to talk about that next is like that, that was just like, I mean, uh, it, you know, the amount of, the amount of, uh, commitment was awesome with that group. And, They'll always be my family because of that. They were, it was crazy how hard we worked together and tried. So let's absolutely move into because this is a huge like so so UCB is young and this is during a time period where there's a couple of these teams that are just these like rock stars. You know, I would walk into the training center in New York and see the posters and it was you know it was like Mother you know, the swarm. It's like these teams that we should have made better posters. If I knew they're going to be up for that long, we should have made better <laughs> posters. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, so yeah. Talk to me about the beginnings of mother and what your early rehearsals in your early shows were like. I was always on the outside looking in as far as like trying to get on a good team and trying to get, you know, I took uh, classes with Armando Diaz, who's like an awesome teacher, but like, then I like you know I didn't get picked for one round of like Harold groups and by the way if I was competing now to get on a Harold team at that age I would get smoked like these like the amount of like the amount of access we had to stage time back then was crazy but there's no audience and we were the first ones there but it was still like nowadays it's like so competitive on a Harold team and I I feel for you guys that have to like anybody listening that's fighting for a slot um, it's just like you know. I, I just that effort is awesome and um so anyway i just want to acknowledge no, for that sure. it's so crazy i don't know what to say about it i'm not gonna say good luck it's just you know there's only a certain amount of slots it's just the reality of it's crazy but in new york you know there was no whatever no one was going for silent live or anything like that you know um and uh so i was taking class and i got i got a cast in on a herald team and i was like oh great so we all met out for a beer and I had never met anybody on mother. Like I had been like, kind of like on the week I, for a while I was really busy at work and then I only was taking like a weekend class and I was just kind of out of it. So I hadn't met these guys. They were, they were younger than me, but I sat down with a beer with Jason Manzukis, 
Jesse Falcon, Jessica St. Clair, um, John Daly, James Eason, Tara Copeland. And that was it. A couple other people that ended up like not making it, you know, like kind of quitting or getting moved out and then a couple of moving in. And, but basically that was like the core. And, um, and then Doug Moe later joined. Um, is that what, did I say? Oh, Christine Walters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the fact that some of those are like some of my closest friends and, you know, it's so awesome to, to have meet them all at the same time, the same night. Um, and then, uh, it was just kind of like a normal Herald team at first, you know, you're trying to get a coach. We had really good coaches too. Um, yeah, Armando Diaz, Ed Hertzman, Gene Villapeak, Michael Delaney coached us, Christina Gaussis, and Andrew Secunda coached us. But we got to a moment where we decided we wanted to be good. We wanted to be the we wanted to be the best Herald team at the theater. You know, we love the swarm. No one could be the swarm. They were a little bit more advanced than us. They were like they'd been around longer than us. So it's basically like the the shows to know were like, you know, the main UCB show like ASCAT and then feature feature that I had luckily been in and then the swarm, they were, those are the shows. There's no other shows. You know what I mean? Everything else is just like, we try and get your friends to show up and have somebody in the audience. So, and then Harold night was rocking, but it was, uh, not, you know, the shows were spotty, you know? So, um, we decided we wanted to be the best or try to be the best. And I was so amazed that other people wanted to do it as much as I did. So we all, we made an agreement, um, to practice twice a week. We practiced, I think, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights for three hours. With, with our own money, we paid for coaches those two nights. And then we, was it, whatever, it was two nights, whatever it was, and the Thursday nights we performed, you know. And then uh, and then once we started winning, you know, it took us a while to get good for sure. You know, we went through all these, what are we doing? And then finally, once we got, we started winning a cage match, and then we won like 44 in a row or whatever. There was crazy. <laughs> at some point, I don't even know the number, but a lot in a row. And it got to the point where that was like a rehearsal in a way. So we got like really good. The cage match saved us in a way because we have every week we performed in a heated situation and got really good. And we were rehearsing twice a week and we performing that night and we had our Herald shows. So that's when we got good. And that, um, the commitment that Mother the thing that made us special is just the commitment to like to such a degree that it was like it was just awesome like we we really tried to like not have egos about it. of course you can't not do it but like we really tried to do things where we're really listening and playing and playing to each other's strengths and supporting each other you could literally do anything and fall into that net and that um we started with that I, I don't mean to like paint a rosy picture, but that, that's that's what I remember is just the commitment. Like, that's when I started getting good. I think if I was can say if I ever played well, it was because I wasn't pressing anymore. Like I knew that I could literally could do the dumbest thing that didn't even make sense. We're even paying attention to the show, you know what I mean? And then like Manzukas would pop out and like it'd be great, you know, what I mean? or whatever, or, <laughs> or somebody or like the team would be like building around this thing, this new this new positive thing and just go that direction. We were really like a school of fish in that way. And we had group games that were really people liked, I think because we were all like listening and and I I learned how to like sort of make a move and shut up, you know, and then just let the whole thing go and then like chime in with my angle when I needed to, but basically shut up. And uh, the whole team was kind of doing that and we got really good. Man, I, 
fucking love that. <laughs> I, I well, it's 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 so funny that you say that because I'm some gener you know like even I've been around for a second, but I'm some generations removed. You know, I was like. I was I was one of the, the first inaugural Lloyd teams in, uh -huh. in New York, which is only a few years ago at this point. But the 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 that thing that you just said, first of all, I had an experience in New York that directly mirrors what you're talking about of cage match saved a team. Yeah. Where we had a month of uh, I was on a team called Namaste, and we had this th this month where we wore these green T-shirts that said, because McManus was like in danger of going out of business, which it, I feel like it always per perennially is. Yeah. And so we wore these T-shirts that said McManus forever, and then Smithfield never on the back. Yeah. <laughs> and we started doing cage match, and it just was a crucible, and it was the most fun thing in the world of that electric feeling, like another rehearsal. But I want to talk about this because I don't want to seem an old fogey either but i want to underline something that feels very different about what you, you just said you were rehearsing with your team six hours a week two three hour rehearsals and everyone showed up and everybody showed up and if they didn't they'd have to you have to really explain it you know yeah it wasn't just like oh man couldn't make it and then you're doing your show every week and then there's a period of time 44 44 wins in a row that's a year that's a calendar year of weeks so and we hired like Real co good coaches. We hired like a one time someone hired a uh, like a clown, like a, like a professional clown teacher and stuff. Like which I hated. You know, in my mind, I was like it was too much for me. I didn't yeah. want to like that's not what I wanted to do. But I would, but I would, I totally entertained it, man. Yeah, you know what I mean, I was like, I'm in whatever. And like this is the dumbest thing that I'm in. You know, uh, and I and I want to underline it because there's because you're saying like like of course there's support. People are being kind to each other, but you're talking about we decided to be the best at the theater. And I feel like there is a moment where with improv, where the, in the, the transitory nature of it, how ephemeral it is, can convince you that it should not be taken seriously. And yet it's the exact opposite. And the most important moments for me were moments where I was on a team and you suddenly look around and you're like, fuck it, this is goofy and silly, and therefore I am going to knuckle down and take this as seriously as I possibly can, and it's the most transformative moment that directly relates to everything else I do in comedy, even outside of improv. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, even if you, you by the way, if you saw our shows, they were totally stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? All this, I sound so serious all the time, and but, but uh, you know, this is all so we could just like, you know, have boners, <laughs> imaginary boners on stage, whatever we were doing. But you know what I mean? We were like all just, um, and also that, you know, nowadays it's like, I want to get really good at something and then maybe audition for something or maybe get on a show or get a web series or like shoot my own short film. Like none of that was happening. We didn't have cameras. We didn't have cell phone cameras. We didn't have, there was no college humor there was no facebook there was not there, what we were doing was trying to be the best at that theater and part of it was the benefit of not having having those blinders on that from technology and from the there's no crowd you know what i mean so we were just, there was a i think there was a crowd but it was its own truly the basement truly we're in the basement or in this in this theater that was like a shitty place yeah i mean like i can't tell you how much because i think that there and again i don't want to sound 
crusty or cry. Obviously, whatever people are doing is great. Do you. But I worry sometimes as someone who now teaches and coaches out in L.A. about the indie scene out here. And I worry sometimes about people getting on teams. And there seems to be much more of a culture of mashups and very casual, like we'll throw some people together. And well, that happens, too. And that's part of like finding like a good group, too. Like, I don't want to say like you just got to stick to whoever you got and go and whatever. But, you know, but at some point. It takes a couple, you know, it's like 10,000 hours thing or whatever, you know, and right. And that all led to like, now I'm doing soundtrack in LA and part of like, I came out to LA for work and that was kind of like freeing for me to start, you know, to start improvising with people that, that are kind of new from, that were kind of new for me. But now we've performed as much, as long out here with a different group as, as I did with mother, you know, that's almost the same amount of time. Yeah. And the soundtrack show has been awesome out here. So fun. Uh, so let's let's actually move into the present now, if we can. I'd love to hear first of all. So you're doing soundtrack, uh, uh, which, as you just said, is like has been long running, which is a form you developed on Mother, right? Yeah, with Man and Manzukis, uh, probably sparked the very very beginnings, and then we all kind of like built around it. Um, and uh, we also did a, invented a form. I don't want to forget this to mention this called the sleepover, which is kind of cool that no one really I don't think anybody really does but a lot of it is is about a lot when we were inventing things or trying to invent things it was always to try and sort of slow it down and turn your brain off a little bit you know what I mean and try and get into that group thing you know so mm -hmm. uh the soundtrack was basically you you didn't know who was in the next scene and you couldn't make a move to tag in or edit so it was like the person in the scene before you almost like a Laurent picks who the next scene is with and you have to have already picked your character in a way, so you can't change it. So it's just like you're just like, oh, I have to be in the moment because you don't have any any information. You know, you don't know when you're going to be in the scene. You have to see it to understand it. But anyway, it's like a it's a, a thing we developed that was like forcing us to always be in in the moment kind of thing. You're trying to do it better in that way. That's man, I love this. like inventing forms, taking the art form seriously, and it feels like this recurring theme of like. Uh, a good pressure cooker in a way of hearing that like yeah we're gonna be this is my new family man these yeah. seven other people I'm living with these people I'm seeing them every night of the week and we're talking about new forms and fuck a web series we're going to do the best improv show. every week people are gonna talk about our show uh, that I don't know if we we I won't say we ever wanted that kind of fame or whatever like we wanted to just really do a kick ass job you know what I mean yeah. like we really like you know it and we really did. We, I remember one day we had a we had a sleepover. That's why we called the form a sleepover because we slept over at Jesse's house one night. Like everyone brought their <laughs> sleeping bags and slept over. I'm like, I don't know why we did that. It was just like all this like intense bonding mm -hmm. kind of thing we were doing to all try and like find it. Um, but the you know the soundtrack was invented because it just saves so much time in a way. It's like we love music. A lot of us are musicians and. Um, just to give that, it gives you like an emotion, it gives you a vibe, it gives you kind of a place, it gives you um, information, words to play off of, and it kind of takes you out of the plottiness. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, someone just did a scene, I can remember bringing that back. Like, you don't even think about that stuff in, in the soundtrack. I just, it just pops up naturally, you know. Yeah, I've I mean, like for me, those, those improv scenes work best off of vibe anyway off of mm -hmm. like we're just doing a snapshot of this moment a snapshot of behavior and we're out uh -huh. um look at so so as we sort of like looked at this this tapestry of this like improv journey um now you're obviously as you said you're working in comedy you know 
with that's outside of improv, you still have improv as a part of your life doing this form that you developed. Uh, Every doing this once a week, whether it's mother or soundtrack here for like 16 years straight, like once a week. Like we didn't take any time off really, except for like a month <laughs> when I moved out here. Uh, so looking at that long view and as someone that has watched this theater grow and develop, what do you see as being the things in your life or in your career? Because I think that a lot of people do have that focus. What are things you look in your life or career that uh, that improv experience, especially as someone who experienced improv as not a means to an end, like this is the thing I care about. How does that manifest in the rest of your life and the rest of your comedy? Mm, I don't even know where to start. It's everything, you know, in a way. It's like it's almost like a uh, an approach to solving every problem, you know. Or what I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like a religion in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I mean, I remember a long time ago. I just wrote down the words "be cool to each other" because while you're talking, <laughs> that's what uh, that was one of the the best advice I got is like be cool to each other on stage, you know. <laughs> And I think that was, um, who said that to me? I think that was a mother note. And I think that was from Armando. But just to be like, it it was, I don't know why it should seem obvious, but it, it occurred to me that like, why are we being combative? You know what I mean? On stage. Like, why are we fighting for laughs? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What what are we doing? So we just ended up, I realized if I'm just like, if I'm really looking out for everybody else the whole time and everyone else is doing the same thing. It works, you know. It's hard, though. You know, it's like, it's that, that's why I realize when things are special to appreciate them. And I think that what I've taken in my life, you know, it's helping with my kids, helping with my career. Like, I have, like, this superpower to be able to listen, you know what I mean, in any meeting or any situation or if I'm helping a friend or anything. And uh, it's super cheesy um, to, in a way, to be so hyped on the group mind of it. But I really do feel like I know these guys subconscious in a way that's like a connection that's deeper than, I don't know, where else do you get that? And so we have a family in that way, friendships. The friendships are the most important thing. And also like the special language you have. Like if I just I just saw Husky last night, I went to Husky's premiere of his, his show, Mr. Neighbor's House, watched it on uh, Adult Swim. But uh, you know, he wrote that with other guys in our cast. Um, Manzukis and Jesse Falcon and Rob Corder used to be in Naked Babies and Feature Feature produced it and like this family of people that are all friends and talented and they all work together on it and just it's like the building blocks of something. but anyway but we love each other as like brothers and uh, it's great I mean you heard it here first folks be cool to each other because if you be cool to each other on stage it's so helpful but if one person isn't nobody's cool to anybody <laughs> It just changes like that. Just the the chemistry changes. It's like, seriously, yeah. One dick move, and you're the whole show's over. Yeah, and it's so it's so powerful. And again, yeah, I think about like the experience. My memory. It's so funny you say that. My memories of improv, like the scenes fade away. Some of the scenes fade away. Some of the shows fade away. But being on sleeping bags for a college improv tournament <laughs> with a bunch of other 25, 28 year olds in some, you know, college kids attic, all snoozing yeah. in, in a room together. And me and like Ryan Haney having to turn Matthew Brian Cohen over <laughs> onto his side to stop him from snoring. That's that memory is enough joy to power me through the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I think being cool to each other is uh good advice. That's the mantra. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Guys, uh, that was a long-form conversation. Thank you to Scott Armstrong. Uh, next week's episode, we'll pick up with a new round of improvisers based in New York. Uh, but fear not, uh, because uh, Scott Armstrong will be returning as your host in five weeks. I'll be the host. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, thank you so much, man. That was awesome. Yeah. You've been listening to the UCB Long Form Conversations podcast on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and review at iTunes.com slash UCB Comedy. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the comedians talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of UCB Theater or Training Center. Find cutting-edge comedy videos on YouTube and Vimeo at UCB Comedy. Find our live shows at UCBTheater.com and connect with us on social media at UCB Comedy. 